Now that Logan Cooley has signed, who are the other Calder Trophy hopefuls in the Western Conference? We'll discuss that, plus an update on Troy Terry's arbitration situation, and we'll rank them the top 10 coaches in the West all on today's episode of Locked On NHL. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right. Welcome into a Tuesday edition of Locked on NHL, a Western Conference Tuesday here on Locked on NHL. Your team every day, Seth Topal, host of Locked on Wild, joined by Nick Morgan of Locked on Predators. Nick will be our new Tuesday co-host here on Western Conference Tuesdays. We are so glad to have you along. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you are a first-time listener to Locked on NHL, Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any big news throughout the NHL. On today's episode, we'll talk Calder hopefuls as well as Troy Terry getting lowballed by the Anaheim Ducks in his arbitration situation. And we'll start a rankum series as we move through the rest of the offseason, ranking today the top 10 coaches in the Western Conference. Uh, Nick, we welcome you on board for uh, Western Conference Tuesdays. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us and uh, looking forward to uh, getting closer to the start of the regular season. How's it going? It's going good, Seth. I'm channeling my inner Casablanca here and saying uh, this feels like the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You and me holding it down on Tuesdays here on the Locked NHL podcast. Most definitely. I uh, can't wait for this to uh, unfold. So let's start by looking at one of the, I think, big question marks for the Arizona Coyotes. Logan Cooley signed his ELC, and so he is now in the fold. It looked for a while like he was going to go back to the University of Minnesota. Seemed like that was pretty set in stone, and then all of a sudden, you know what? I uh, I think we're just going to go to the NHL level, and for a guy who is as talented as Cooley is, not a whole lot left to prove at the uh, the collegiate level. And so for him, I think it just is a situation where he just wants to get started uh, with NHL life. Um, were you surprised after it seemed like it was pretty dead set that he was just going to go back to school? Were you pretty surprised to uh, to hear that he made the decision to forego that and head to the NHL? No. And, uh, you know, he's going to have a chance in Arizona to play right away and really start his career on the front foot. And I also think it helps that he's going to play probably significant minutes somewhere in that top nine uh, in Arizona as well. And I think that was, you know, if, if you get into a situation, if you're Logan Cooley, where, you know, maybe you're, you know, a perennial healthy scratcher only playing like 10 minutes a game, then yeah, you know, going back to Minnesota for another year, chasing a national championship, that seems appealing, but that wasn't going to be the case in Arizona. He's going to get a prime chance to jump into a meaningful role in the lineup right away and uh, maybe get some Calder buzz as, as we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And it's funny because, I think everybody assumes that one of the big front runners is Connor Bedard because Chicago doesn't have a lot 
in terms of, uh, of skill and talent in that top six. And so he's going to be the focal point for that group. And so in addition to Bedard, who else are we tracking as potential uh, Calder hopefuls here uh, for this coming season? I mean, other than Cooley, do we say Shane Wright? I mean, I think that would be, I think that'd be a good name to throw in. His season was a tumultuous one. Uh, one that saw him spend most of the season at the AHL level, then come back up. And uh, after what we saw from Maddie Beniers, you'd think that Shane Wright kind of catches on and, and does have a solid season here uh, in 2023, 2024. Yeah. And it really depends on how the Kraken use him and what his use is going to be this year, because if he gets into another situation where it's a slow start, he's, you know, has trouble getting in, has trouble to kind of adjusting to the NHL lineup out of the gate. You know, maybe it's a case where he has to go back for some more seasoning. And at that point, you know, I, I, if you're a Kraken fan, I wouldn't worry about what Shane Wright's going to be long-term. He's still a young player, still has a lot of room left to grow. Uh, but I think it's safe to say that maybe another slow start this year, Maybe you're starting to think it's like, okay, maybe he's not going to be like the 130 point guy we thought he was going to be when he fell to fourth. Um, So that to me is going to be an interesting discussion for Shane Wright. Another player, Seth, who was kind of in that same situation, another maybe Calder Dark Horse out of the West. How about Brant Clark? The L.A. Kings. Remember, this was a guy a lot of people had penciled into the Kings lineup last year that he made the team out of training camp, uh, couldn't quite stick with the team, struggled. So he went back to the juniors, went back to Barry and wound up having the best year of his career. Career high 61 points in 31 games and then 23 points in 12 playoff games. He's much more confident and L.A. has lost both of their Sean's. On, on defense, Sean Walker and Sean Dersey are gone. So now all of a sudden, Brant Clark has more of a chance to kind of stick with the Kings. So there's another dark horse. Yeah. And, and just looking at uh, some of the other names that are getting mentioned, I mean, Leo Carlson is another name kind of on that, on the outskirts, which yeah. I think is more of a, that's more of a long shot just because it's the ducks and it's going to take them whoever gets slotted in as uh, as a rookie, it's going to take them a little while to catch on in that group. It's a, a young, talented team, but I feel like Carlson is maybe a little bit more of a, uh, a long shot there, but there's some fascinating candidates throughout the Western Conference. I know there are a ton in the East as well, mm-hmm. and so it feels like with this grouping of youngsters, it should be a pretty spirited a uh, spirited quest for the Calder trophy here in 2023, 2024. Yeah. In the East, there's a lot of defense. I think to me, especially it looks like you're going to get uh Hughes on New York and possibly Simon, Simon Nemich in uh, New Jersey and Hughes in New Jersey as well. Uh, correction there. Uh, and you also have David Yurichek on the blue line in Columbus. He looks like he's going to be, um, you know, getting a chance to start with the team this year. He was a guy that a lot of people said was a top three defensive prospect in all of hockey. So, yeah, it, it seems like it, it's funny. It's like this offensive firepower in the West and then all of these hot young defensive prospects in the East. It's going to be kind of a fun battle. 
Yeah. And if I were a betting man, I would uh, probably throw my money on uh, either Bedard or maybe I would throw a little down on Logan Cooley as well. It's going to be a fascinating race to see how it plays out. And uh, for those that are keeping an eye on it, we'll take care of some of the other things such as arbitration as we continue to navigate through arbitration hearings uh, for many players in the NHL. Troy Terry had an update uh, on his situation as he submitted his number. And well, the Ducks submitted a number themselves. So uh, we will continue today's episode of Locked on NHL as we take a look at uh, the numbers for Troy Terry and arbitration after this. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Welcome back into today's episode of Locked on NHL. It is a Western Conference Tuesday, and we are glad to have you along for the ride. Seth Topol joined by Nick Morgan. Nick, the arbitration numbers are in. For Troy, Terry, and the Anaheim Ducks, Terry submitted $8 million, and the Ducks countered with 4 and a half. I know the general approach for the player is to reach as high as you can so that the arbitrator will be a little more inclined to maybe meet you higher than what the team suggests. But uh, this is quite a disparity in terms of, of team and player, right? In terms of what they, uh, what they submitted for salaries. I mean, you're talking to a guy whose team uh, offered Shea Weber $3.5 million uh, in his arbitration deal. And Weber, I think asked for like 9 million. So yeah, that, that, that was a fun predator story from back in the day. <laughs> I, I mean, look, it's a business aspect of it. We, we know that. But, you know, I think it's pretty clear that we're going to get closer to the Troy Terry number uh, mm-hmm. out of this than than we are. It, it's funny, Seth, because I was going back and kind of researching some of this and looking at uh, like the analytics and stuff for Troy Terry. And this is a very underrated player. Like I was just kind of expecting to be like, oh, just kind of, you know, guy that gets hot every now and then, uh, you know, on a bad team. I mean, he's got some good point totals despite being on a very bad Ducks team. Analytically, he's like fine defensively, like not a liability anywhere. You wouldn't call him a two-way forward. But yeah, this is a guy who's kind of an underrated, really good player in the NHL. Uh, And, you know, the Ducks are in a tough situation because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in two years. And they don't want this arbitration deal to be, you know, the bridge deal to get him to free agency. They want to lock him up long term. Yeah. And you, you look at the numbers, too. I was fascinated by this. Troy Terry and William Nylander have played exactly 274 NHL games. Troy Terry has 75 goals, 101 assists 
for 176 total points. Nylander has 61 goals and 121 assists for 182 points. So the fact that their production is not that far off is just crazy to me. And they mentioned that Nylander signed for uh, $4.5 million. Um, and so for Troy Terry, you, you look at a guy who deserves uh, a little more than I think what uh, what people would assume. And so hopefully he's able to get it. These arbitration hearings are, it's just, it's fascinating to follow all of them. The Wilds avoided two this offseason, signing Brandon Duhame before his arbitration hearing and now signing uh, this week, in fact, Philip Gustafson to a deal avoiding arbitration there as well. Because a lot of times that's kind of the point of no return for player and team is if you go to arbitration, then the player's like, well, I don't know if I'm going to, uh, I don't know if I'm going to stick it out and and, uh, go through any sort of negotiations with you again. And so it, as you said, it's a very, very tricky road for the ducks to navigate. Uh, and so I guess we'll, uh, we'll see how this one plays out and, uh, you know, all the best to Troy Terry in this situation. Cause you want a player who is a little bit underrated to cash in as much as they can. And you mentioned, you know, kind of comparable to Nylander in a way, uh, how much money is Nylander asking the Maple Leafs for about $10 million? Uh, you know, another good example, you know, Matt Barzal just signed for what, like $9 million a year annually, big eight year contract. He hasn't come close to the scoring that Troy Terry's put up and he hasn't hit 60 points uh, since 2020. So, you know, you, you have, you know, these different ways of looking at it and that's just the contract negotiations in the NHL are you know, wild because you just have, you know, some of these underrated players, you know, who whose value you wouldn't perceive as high getting, you know, kind of these low ball offers, but then you compare them to, you know, a player like Barzal or Nylander, who you would consider like high value franchise players. Mm-hmm. And you break it all down, you break down their stats and numbers and they're not that much different. And it, it's weird because it's, it's all based on perceived value. And, you know, you kind of mentioned arbitration hearing being the point of no return, you know, that, that it sort of feels like that's kind of the precipice for why so many arbitration hearings go badly or so many feelings kind of get hurt was because, you know, you, you put up all these numbers and then, you, you know, you hear your team tell, you know, an arbitrator, all these reasons why, you're not as valuable as you think you are. Um, and, and it's just, it's, it's kind of a weird thing, a weird dynamic in the NHL overall. Yeah. And it really is too that whole, like, well, we think that you're valued at this number because of this, 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 and you, the player being like, well, yeah, but a lot of that doesn't, isn't things that I can necessarily control. So hit me at this number. So it, it this is, Part of the reason you see so many uh, arbitration situations get resolved before they even get to a hearing because team and player like, let's just wrap this up. So we'll uh, we'll see how this plays out for Troy Terry, but um, he's he's not the only one that is navigating this situation. There are plenty of players that are, but uh, just notable that he 
and team were as separate as they were. So we'll, uh, we'll monitor that. Now we're going to start what's going to become a regular segment here on Western Conference Tuesday. We're going to start ranking them in the Western Conference, and we'll start with coaches as we continue today's episode of Locked on NHL after this. Welcome back to today's episode of Locked on NHL. Thank you for tuning in each and every day to Locked on NHL. Make sure that you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss out on any new episodes on any any of the uh, most notable news happening in the NHL. Seth Topal joined by Nick Morgan for today's Western Conference Tuesday. All right, Nick, we're going to rank them. And we're going to go with top 10 coaches in the West. Now, why top 10? Well, because there are a few coaches who are getting their first taste of coaching at the NHL level. In the case of Calgary, in the case of um, a couple of others as well. So we're not going to throw uh, those coaches into the fire just yet. And there are some who are in new places. So we want to leave a little room and then we will check back on these as the season goes on. Like they do in, in soccer where teams get relegated if they don't perform particularly well. This top 10 is uh, certainly subject to change. And so, Nick, I'll have you start and then we can uh, we can discuss uh, who made it and who didn't yeah. um, as we go. Yeah. Uh, so, so I have Bruce Cassidy number one, just because I feel like if you're the Stanley cup champion, eh, you should be recognized for being a good coach. Uh, Dave Hackstall is number two for me. Uh, we can get into wise. I feel like in some of these later, because I feel like you and I are both going to have uh, some people that kind of jump out in weird places. Uh, but the rest of my the top 10, I had three Pete DeBoer, four Jared Bednar, five Todd McClellan, six your boy, Dean Evison, uh, Rick Tockett at seven, Rick bonus at eight, Andre Terrinier at nine. And then Jay Woodcroft at 10. Uh, Cause you know, if you can't win a Stanley cup with two of the best generational talents, uh, you're, you're probably not very high on the coaching thing. Yeah. I, that, that's that's a very intriguing list to me because mainly um, the, the thing for me is Bednar. That's about the only spot that I don't uh, that my rankings differ is that I would probably go Cassidy Bednar um, to uh, to start off my list. But I mean, let look those those top four guys. You've got Bruce Cassidy, who took that Vegas team to a whole new level. And that's a Vegas franchise that has been good since they came into the league. They just needed somebody to take them that next step. And Cassidy did that. They win the cup. Everybody's partying in Vegas. We're happy for you. Um, so I, I have no objection to Cassidy at number one. I go Bednar too, because that Colorado franchise for as good as players that they have, they have had to navigate some weird injury situations over the last few years. Fair. So I put Bednar in there. They got the uh, they got the cup run finally taken care of as they slide the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
I would probably go Hackstall three. So it's not a huge difference for me. I, I like what Hackstall brings to the table. I think he figured out the formula for that Seattle team. And um, that's, that's a group that I really don't want a lot to do with uh, because they just seem like a complete pain to play against. I, I would probably then go for Pete DeBoer because he it, it's the Pete DeBoer formula is well known. He takes a team to the brink of the Stanley Cup his his first season that he's there. Things kind of fall off a little bit after that. And so that's the big thing for Dallas this year is, is does that happen again? Does that curse follow DeBoer to another new team? Or is he able to uh, kind of shake that, um, shake that off? At that point, then, I would probably, for the regular season success, I would probably put Dean Evason as five. The Wild have been very good in the regular season. Postseason is a completely different story and one that a lot of Minnesota fans are irritated with. I can't blame them because, I'm, I mean, you take your pick of Minnesota teams and there just is no getting out of the first round of the playoffs, which is super annoying, and um, I, I hate it. So I'll go Dean five. I would say McClellan probably six for me. Here's one I think you're going to like just because I, I just like a lot of what he did with Florida. Mm-hmm. I'm putting Andrew Brunette in my top 10. Don't hate it. I'm going to put him at seven because I just I like what he what he did with Florida. I think he kind of got a raw deal after they lost in the postseason. So I'm putting him in my top 10. I also am going to see, this is tough. I want to actually, I'll, I'll leave him as my, uh, my first alternate. I'm going to go Rick bonus at eight. I'll go talk at nine. And then I'm going to go with, I don't want to do it. Craig Berube. I'm going to go Craig Berube at 10. And just because it's a St. Louis team that uh, he really expects a lot out of. They didn't have a great season this past year, but I'm, uh, I'm putting Berube's in too. So it feels like you're going, uh, you're, you're adding some like historical context. A little bit. Uh, into these rankings. Okay. Um, so backing up, you know, Hackstall at two, I think in, in terms of coming off of last season, other than Bruce Cassidy, maybe the best coaching job uh, in all of the NHL. And I'm including Jim Montgomery, who won the Jack Adams, you know, I'm including Lindy Ruff, who, you know, elevated the New Jersey Devils this year. I just think you take that sort of hodgepodge team and this wasn't like Vegas uh, a few years ago, you know, when they won their or when they got to the cup their first year and just had like hot goaltending and yeah. one or two hot players. I mean, these were a bunch of players kind of playing average, but Dave Haxtell found a way to kind of morph them and use them in a way that they were one of the best teams in the NHL. And, you know, as they shown that Colorado series wasn't a fluke. You know, they really were a legitimate team. And I was very intrigued uh, by the McClellan-Evison debate because I'm with you. I went back and forth 
mm-hmm. those two, just because doesn't it seem like they just have two very similar stories, like yep. you know, in, inherit sort of a mess of a team, uh, rebuild them, help elevate some players, have really strong regular seasons, but just cannot find a way to, to win a playoff series. Yeah, and they're very much set in like, this is how we do it. This is how we do it, and if you're good enough to beat us, then we tip our caps, but there's not going to be a lot in the way of like tinkering and adjustments. It's pretty much what you see is what you get. And it works. Like they're they're yeah. going to somebody's gonna win a playoff series at some point. Uh yeah, and it, we I was I was happy we both included Tockett. Uh because mm-hmm. remember when when he got named head coach last year, like midseason. Uh, there's a lot of people not happy with that move. They're like, oh, it's just, you know, sort of a retread name, you know, hashtag grit, hashtag, you know, locker room, you know, culture, all this and that, you know, sort of this old school hire. He found a way to make that Canucks team really good uh, at the end of the year. Remember, they were a team like back around Christmas uh, strong contenders in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they, I can't remember exactly where I think they were maybe like six points out of a playoff spot, but they fought all their way back into being in the playoff conversation by the end of the year. And, you know, just how, how talented that Vancouver team is with the, with the young talent, you know, I, I think they can be a playoff team this year. And I think it, it don't, you, you got to give Rick Tockett some credit for that. Yeah, and he may have solved or helped solve one of the biggest riddles for that Vancouver squad, which is Thatcher Demko. He was great down the stretch, and I know he was he was injured at the beginning of the season, but it seems like a situation where maybe coach just re reaffirms some of that support for a goalie and is able to get more out of him. So yeah, I I liked what Tockett did for Vancouver. It was a mess before he got there. Um, And it certainly seems like he helped write things a little bit. Um, But as I said, we will uh, we will play these out as the season goes and uh, we'll we'll relegate people as needed uh, out of the top 10, depending on uh, how things are going. But there's there's a lot of solid coaching in the Western Conference. There are some teams that are hoping that they've found the next Jared Bednar or Bruce Cassidy or somewhere along those lines. And uh, this, this is one of the things that we get a chance to do is just seeing it play out. And um, everybody hopes that, uh, that their guy is the next one hoisting the cup. Uh, Andrew Burnett, if you're listening to this, we hope you're the next guy to lift the Stanley Cup. <laughs> well, that is, I think going to wrap it up for today's episode of locked on NHL, a Western conference Tuesday Nick, before we sign off, let the folks know where they can follow you as well as Locked On Predators if they uh, are curious for more as we get closer to the start of the season. Yeah, uh, you can listen to Locked On Predators every day, wherever you get your podcast, uh, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Also on YouTube, uh, you can find me on X as we're calling it now, I guess, <laughs> uh, at underscore NS Morgan to see all of my written articles I put out through the week as well. And make sure that you follow Lockdown Wild on all of your favorite social media platforms, including X. You can also follow me on X at Seth T-O-U-P-S. Thanks for tuning in once again to Western Conference Tuesday. For more, 
Make sure that you follow and subscribe to Locked on NHL wherever you listen to your podcasts.